You are listening to Changing the Game with me, Wilson Casado. What is the game? The game is everything. Everything from the education you receive to the career or business you pursue. In regards to diversity and inclusion, though, there isn't a level playing field. The show will allow us to hear from those who are challenging the status quo. It is about creating a new future where things are done differently, a future with diversity and inclusion, and most importantly, a future where everyone has access to play the game. Hello everyone, welcome to Changing the Game. Today I have to confess that I, I'm, I'm a bit nervous, so I did, I did uh, confess that to Paula. So Paula is the first guest in this show that I, you know, I actually didn't meet before. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, it, 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 it makes me nervous, I guess. So uh, Paula is quite a, you know, has a quite significant profile. So uh, welcome Paula to the show. Thank you. Uh, I'll read Paula's bio for your delight. Uh, so Paula is, Paula is Irish, right Paula? So Paula graduated in, in social sciences in, uh, in Dublin, the University College Dublin. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, 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 I think I can say that Paula is more known because in the last few years, she has been uh, the WA State Director of CIDA. So quite a nice profile. So uh, she has more than 20 years of experience in management, sales, uh, marketing, business development. Uh, <laughs> In roles like CEO, general manager, you know, the professional chefs, business uh, development sort of thing. So, as I mentioned before, until July 2020, in the middle of the pandemics, she was the state uh, director for CIDA. Uh, now, Paula is running her own uh, consulting business. So, I'll ask you, Paula, about it later on so you can uh, tell us what you have been doing. Yeah. Uh, Paula is also an experienced board member. She currently sits in the board of the North Metro Health Services, the Barking uh, Gecko Theater. Is that how I say that? Barking Gecko, yeah. Bark Barking Gecko Theater and the, and the uh, Edith Cohen uh, College. So I won't extend me here, Paula. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much and thank you for inviting me. Paula, I always start this, uh, we, we have the bio, which is normally a professional bio. I always start this asking you to tell a little bit about yourself that we don't know from your professional uh, profile. Okay, I suppose one of the things that I think um, is part of my foundation, um, I graduated from university in Ireland into a really deep recession where most of my cohort um, never thought they'd ever work in Ireland ever again. And a lot of people either went to America. Um, Australia wasn't a place that people went to much, you know, from my peer group, but UK and Europe and America were the big places. And um, I graduated, I was going to be a social worker. And I graduated into this recession and ended up going to live in London. Um, and that was the real turning point for me in my career in the sense that um, from that kind of 
darkness and feeling that there was no hope of, of getting a proper job. I found myself in London in um, an era that it was, um, there was a comedian, um, Harry Enfield, and he was talking about loads of money and everything was fast and uh, furious. And it was, that was the real, I feel, beginning of my career. And um, I ended up working for financial uh, magazines, publishing companies in the UK. And I learned to sell. And I was trained to, in using the Dipita technique, and I believe being able to, I think it's this wonderful kind of dichotomy of, I was going to be a social worker, and then I went to become a salesperson. But it's that listening, which is really, really important. And I think that's held me in good stead through my whole career. Um, and with that job, I worked for Institutional Investor Magazine, Financial Times um, Group um, and Risk Publications. Uh, and I got to travel um, in different jobs. I got to travel the world. I had um, South America, I went to Brazil, I, South Africa, Asia. Um, and um, in, before, when I was in school, I was also an au pair after leaving university. And so I got to France and to speak some French as well um, in that. So, and then in 2002, um, I migrated with my um, now ex-husband and two children um, to live in Perth because he came from Perth. And, um, and that started um, an absolute love affair with this beautiful city and state that we live in. Wow, that's incredible. There are a few things that I, that, that I hear from what you're saying. Uh, that sort of uh, antagony of you know, being trained to be a social worker ended up being, and even if you go fast track your career, then you become a director in an economic development sort of organization. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's, 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 uh, yeah, it's quite a contrast. So that, that's interesting. But you remind me that sometimes we talk with young people uh, and talking about the opportunities, what they want to do in life and et cetera. And sometimes that brings lots of anxiety on them yeah. because they don't know what they're going to do. So uh, you actually, you're a living example of someone that uh, at certain point knew what you're going to do and, and ended up doing completely different things. That's. Uh, uh, but I also think the way I was brought up um, growing up in Ireland, there were a certain, the career choices were very limited. I felt I could have been um, a nurse. I couldn't have been a doctor because I wasn't clever enough. Um, but teacher, occupational therapist, the choices that were presented to me, and I think this is part of what you're talking about, were very limited. I actually think I would have been much better off going to do marketing and communications. And um, because that's where a lot of my career has kind of worked to. Um, but going to university and having that experience was amazing at, at the same time. Um, but we, the, the choice, you know, I remember kind of saying I wanted to change midway through my degree and my parents were kind of just finished that degree and carry on. Um, so I, I, I find that it's kind of the university, University College Dublin that I went to, but then the University of Life is really what has given me all my opportunities. And 
I certainly did not have an idea of what I wanted to do, really. And my career, I hear people, I've heard lots of people that have, um, you know, set goals and have, you know, every year they have a career plan and they know where they're going. Um, and I haven't, my career hasn't kind of followed that path. But then I look back and I kind of feel I've got this amazing career toolkit um, that has brought me to where I am today. So, uh, well, first of all, I have to apologize to you and to everybody else. You know, this box is from Cookie, my dog. And funny enough, she doesn't bark at all. So like, she chose <laughs> to bark when we're talking. Huh? <laughs> Maybe it was an applause. That's right. It looks like she knows, right? <laughs> uh, there is, a, there is an interesting thing, what you're saying as well. Uh, in your story, you went to go to overseas and have experience in, in, in other verse, in other geographies, and then you ended up coming to Perth. So uh, one thing that we do have in common is that, uh, you know, you, 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 you cannot not fall in love with this place. Yeah. Uh, but also you share uh, that you had some challenges because you came with the family and then you have some challenges in your, in your upbringing as a family. How, how, how was that uh, settling in Western Australia as an immigrant? How was that experience for you? It's very interesting. Um, I actually came and lived here for two years in the early 90s. And um, I worked, and my first job was working in Jeans West, which um, again was, this was the beginning of a real focus on customer and um, dealing, you know, they were the first store to really, really focus on customer care and customer centric service. Um, but, you know, that was the, at that stage because of my permanent, my residency, I couldn't, um, get a what I would call proper job and as soon as I could I um, worked um, I got a job at the West and um, there I met um, a gentleman called John McGlue who was the business editor at the time and he's also Irish and he was has been quite instrumental in my career in the sense in in Australia and um, just I think in Western Australia connections and, and who you know and having people that champion you and he was one of those people um, that when we came to live in 2002 he championed me to then the then managing director of the West and and I got I had an amazing job and I got as publisher of books um, which was I've never published I never published a book before and through belief in my understanding, I suppose, of publishing, you know, being involved in magazines, I got the job. Um, but I think the hardest thing coming um, is leaving everybody behind. Um, mm. When I lived in the early 90s, Perth was a very different place. There was no internet. There was, phone calls were incredibly expensive. And there was petrol rostering you had to, petrol stations were only open on certain days at the weekend. And I felt really, really isolated then. Um, when I came back in 2002, coming with a family, it kind of centers you. And 
watching my boys just just blossom and grow here like my little five-year-old who's now 23 um he was within a few it felt like a few minutes he was instead of little pommy kind of no he was sending us this no and everything became Australian and and just seeing them enjoy their endless blue sky and but I find people take about a year to let you in and after about a year I started being invited to places but when you have kids in smalls in schools you meet parents and they're very they're generally really helpful and welcoming to you which is great very nice to hear that you that you know found that sort of uh, you know the school community that could help you along yeah so i think uh when i'm normally talking with some some of the immigrants some of the families and they do that have those struggles to settle and and i do share a little bit of our our own stories so we found in in our sports club and and church and the parent here at school so very welcoming community and and you're right to take some time for you you know they, they they getting to know you yeah uh but as soon as that as soon as that happened uh, it is a very welcoming place but at least yeah. that's my experience yes i agree so uh paula you didn't have you know as a a, a a career fast track that take you to see them uh do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit of stories about you know in, in Sida, uh what your what was your sense of purpose in, in, in helping with the economic development uh, maybe have a, a little bit of flavor of being a uh, 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 woman in that sort of leadership position and what sort of challenges that brought you so um, firstly with being a woman in the role um, CEDA had um, five state directors and of um, the five um, there was only when I was there there was initially two men and the three women and by the end of my term um, there's only one man so it was a role um, that I think where it worked very well for me because I love connecting with people and CEDA is a member-based organization so I got to connect with um, so many different businesses and people and um, it opened doors to really senior business leaders and that I got to I got to sit and talk ideas and with you know where people saw the economy going with people like Sherry Dew, who's the CFO of Woodside, with Michael Cheney, with, um, you know, just, I got access to these people and it, that was amazing. And people were just incredibly generous um, with their ideas, but I felt a huge responsibility to um, take those ideas and make them you know, curate them through the program of content that we provided. Um, so we did big public events, you know, we had for um, when Minister Wyatt, Ben Wyatt was the treasurer, when his first um, event at CEDA, it was the biggest event that CEDA had ever done, not just in Western Australia, but across 
the whole of Australia. And there was 1,020 people um, there. I remember it was huge. Um, but two conversations with 30 people in a room hosted under Chatham House rule. And with conversations, it's if somebody gives you an idea or says you must speak to such and such, if, you, if I connected with them, and this created some idea for an event, I would go back and say, you know, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. This is what's happening. And I suppose I always believe um, that you have to have a win-win for both parties. That if you become somebody that just takes ideas and takes people's time and doesn't give back, um, then it becomes a kind of doors, people stop answering your calls or people stop um, responding to you because it's not um, a giving or a sharing interaction. Um, but in terms of the kind of economic development, um, we launched um, the Sustainable Health Review, we launched um, transport policies and strategies, and we launched the Asian Engagement Strategy, we had presentations from um, premiers, um, from different ministers, um, not just state, but also um, federal. And I saw that getting an audience of people to hear ideas and to discuss ideas um, was really, really important. So we would rarely have just one speaker we would generally have maybe a keynote address, um, like we had Alan Finkel speaking about hydrogen and look where that story has gone now. Um, and then um, Minister McTiernan also speaking and then a panel discussing it. And I think it's that extra discussion that really helps both um, integrate the conversation into, you know, um, most people's kind of agenda, but it also um, it, it enables, it provides a possibility to ask questions and um, to discuss, you know, the ideas that are presented. Uh, that's very nice to hear. See, I think uh, I think there there is no question that in the last uh, decade, uh, what the state come along to to try to create some of those identities of the areas that we're developing as an economy, and we you know we talk about. Uh, you mentioned a couple, but you know, as a defense space, uh, the whole innovation ecosystem is is, is going quite crazy. But that actually uh, remind me about asking you about uh, there are two things that I'm pretty passionate about, uh, and, and and these are innovation and and uh, and education. We know that with all the conversations about uh, economic development, we're talking about you know the new technologies, the innovation, the you know the digital world, and etc. So one of the things that I do face in my day to day is a big challenge in WA with access to resources and by human resources, you know, capabilities, people, training, etc. So uh, is that something that you have been seeing as well? Well. Again, I think we live in the most special place, but I do have concerns with the fact that we can't at the moment have people coming into our state. 
um, there are some, the federal government have announced some new kind of visa categories for people to be able to get in. Um, but every day we're reading in the papers about labor shortages. Yep. Um, and this is, you know, this is for building roads um, for, you know, the resource sector. It's, it's, you know, those seem like, yeah, like a bigger bottleneck for us, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but then at the other end of the scale, in terms of high, highly skilled people, we're fortunate in Western Australia with the resource sector. You know, I see that mining and resource companies in Western Australia have led a lot of the innovation. Yep. You look at Rio's autonomous trucks and, you know, the type of um, the, ro the robotic brick building um, company, which is um, founded in Perth. And, um, you know, there is a lot of innovation here, um, yep. but I think there could be more. And often, you know, one of the things that I think is really important for our city and state is the connection to Asia, that in the zone um, connection that, that we have and the opportunity that we have both to um, attract people to come and work here and for us also to work and, and sell services there. Um, but I'm in certain time, you know, the fact that there are internet black spots in the city, um, the people living in remote and not, not necessarily that remote Western Australia can't connect to the internet. Um, to have not having digital um, capability is in this day and age is, is a huge barrier to growth and opportunity. Um, and so, so what, I'm, what I'm hearing, Paula, is that I, I think you, you, you seem to be a very, you know, as you see the positive outlook of, you know, the economic development opportunities that we, that we have in this state. Then you pinpointing some stuff that you know the foundations that we do need to get it right, right? Yep. So the internet is one of those, and etc. And 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 when we talk about trade, we you know, we need people, we need our you know our 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 borders open at certain point because this is is a key element for our development. Yeah, that's a good one, uh, Paula. You, you after you left Cedar, uh, so and you did in the middle of the. Uh, the pandemic, right? So it's a, it's a time that we went through last year. So uh, how was that transition for you, trying to transition from CIDA to, uh, to your own consulting firm during the pandemic? And, and tell us what you're doing now. So the transition um, was, was interesting in the sense of it's very, it's easier to advocate for an organization. It's harder and more, you're much more kind of vulnerable when you're actually promoting yourself. Um, and that, I suppose that was, you know, it's, you know, when you say I am the state director from, and you're, but suddenly you're Paula Rogers from Paula Rogers Consulting. Um, you you're you're putting your name on everything you do um and you're all on your own but 
I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think working from home, as we did a lot during COVID, that helped in the transition. It wasn't suddenly from an office to being all on my own. With the working from home, as we had done for a number of months, uh, I was kind of attuned to getting motivating and, and getting through my day and all the things that I needed to do. Following my role, I had an amazing network and have an amazing network of, of people who reached out and um, wanted to catch up and talk and see if there were opportunities. And out of that, quite quickly, um, I did insist on taking four weeks just out um, because I think thought that was really important for, for me after four and a half very intense years. Um, I went and traveled quite a bit around Western Australia and then um, started back uh, working, just talking to people in August. And by September, I had um, three clients and then with my board roles and other kind of facilitation, event facilitations and things like this, I was, I was quite full. And um, I think the, the challenge when you're running your own business is, or maybe it's just my challenge, but the challenge is saying no sometimes. Um, and particularly when you're beginning, you're not sure where work is going to come from. So you, you can say yes um, more than maybe you should. And I'm, I feel now that I'm coming in, getting close to, well, um, getting closer to a year consulting. I'm doing, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing and I have um, reduced some of my work to enable me to have kind of more balance and do the work I really, really enjoy. Um, and that, that kind of stakeholder engagement and management. Um, for example, at the moment, I'm working with um, the largest aged care providers in Western Australia and helping them kind of connect and get their message heard as a collective. You know, they they all have their own marketing and communications, fantastic teams. Mm -hmm. But what I'm bringing is kind of uh, joining the, their collective dots to um, make their voice and message stronger in it, in particularly with aged care, it's quite a challenging time at the moment. Well, so I, I wish I had my notepad here because you, you, you mentioned so many things there. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so the, the key points that I'm hearing from you is that, uh, you know, you, you transition from uh, a, a, an organization, a prestigious membership-based organization to a more uh, self-employed sort of own consulting business. And that quite, that pretty much as I'm hearing is, well, it affects your identity, isn't it? Because you introduce yourself before as part of an organization and become more, uh, to, to a good extent, it's easier doing that because people already know that organization. And then now you have to, uh, to do that sort of, sort of self, uh, you know, self-introduction, self-promotion, and that's quite challenging uh, and, and, and requires you to, 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 uh, to create that new identity. So well done is doing that. So. Uh, I know, I know a little bit of what, what is that challenge being a business owner, it's particularly in small business, small video business where people don't know the brand. So you have to, to, to reinvent there. 
thank and you people, for that. People, a lot of people want you to be able to define yourself in a, you know, what is it you do? Yeah. And, and I started saying, well, I wish I could say I built bridges. Um, and then I went, well, actually, that's what I do a lot of the time, but it's building bridges between people and organizations. And, um, but when, when you, when you're not kind of an engineer or a, it sometimes is more difficult to articulate yeah. um, the skills that you can provide. And so it's often through somebody kind of seeing you, trusting you and bringing you in that kind of opens doors to the type of work that I do. Yeah. So I think the other thing that you mentioned there as well that I noticed is that uh, I think uh, I think we we all kind of acknowledging uh, how privileged we are, right? Because we we we're busy with work, and 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 it looks like when we we're busy and we have opportunities to be even busier, and you somehow develop that sort of uh, uh, your your own strategy or your own way of dealing with you know learning to say no, or learning to you know what is that you know you choose what you're really passionate about. And, and even thinking about having your balance right, so which you, you know, it's not all about work, work, work. So that's uh, that's quite significant as well. So, uh, Paul, I don't know if you noticed, but our 30 minutes uh, passed. Really? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's quite, uh, you know, it's a, it, it's a challenge when we do these things and we keep talking and et cetera. So what, what I'll do is I uh, might ask you a question for it to be a closing question. Yeah. Um, when, we, when we started changing the game, the idea was to focus uh, mainly in, in, in three things that are you know, my passions, which are innovation, education, and diversity. So we try to use this platform to kind of help people to uh, to recognize themselves in what we're we talking about, maybe give them uh, as a platform for them to see that, uh, you know, uh, to have role models like you in terms of how you change the game. So do you have any advice uh, these days for for young girl that's um, potentially uh, not quite sure about what she's going to do in the future? Uh, and then what what she should, what, what would be that advice? I think it's probably quite cliche, but actually to back yourself, I think is really important and not apologize for yourself. Um, one of, when you talk about diversity, one of the biggest um, issues is we have women, I remember hearing a presentation um, where this woman was talking about, maybe we should just stop sending women to university, which kind of is heart stopping that you would even say this. Um, and I'm certainly not advocating for this, but because more women come out of university with qualified, but that transition into leadership in business is not happening. Mm. So it, it's having the kind of confidence and push to keep pushing through. Um, but I also think it's demanding more flexible work, continued work. I think COVID has, has helped with that. Um, but... I, you know, I had two children and worked, you know, all the way through. I took six months off my first child and three months off for my second child. And I felt 
a lot of the time that I was kind of, I had to over deliver. I worked three days a week and I had to work five days a week. And probably my biggest regret is that I feel I sacrificed really, really important time with my children mm. for work. And I don't think that's the answer. Um, and I think we need workplaces to, to embrace diversity, to um, enable women to work and do the really important job of being parents and bringing children into this world. Well, thank you very much for that. Paula, uh, I think we, we just met. I had a, a, an amazing 30 minutes. It feels like, uh, you know, I want to continue this. So uh, I'm going to invite you to come along and we can have a, a longer chat. So it's a very big privilege to, to have you talking with me. So I appreciate your time, appreciate your kindness. So, and, and here, here we are, uh, everyone. This is Paula. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a privilege. So thank you, Paula. Thank you very much for your time and for your interest and for having these really important conversations with people. Um, I listen to your podcasts to kind of hear the conversations that you had. And it's really lovely to hear people that you don't necessarily normally hear from. So, um, and others that you do. So thank you. And thank you again. So uh, everyone, this was Paula. It's a privilege. I hope you enjoy. And uh, we're coming soon with another episode of Changing the Game. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you.